this is Renegades Roundup. Your best source for recaps, info, and discussions about the Arlington Renegades of the XFL. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Zach. We talked about at the beginning of this season that this team had the potential to be a championship caliber squad. We looked at the roster and we said this team could go all the way. I looked at Vegas's roster, said they could go all the way. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I was wrong too, I think. I think I Oh no, I said I think I said DC, didn't I? Think didn't you I? did. I think you did say DC and I was like, I don't know. I feel like their team chemistry might be off. That was probably the most freezing cold take that I have had about this XFL season. But I will say my takes got a little bit better as of a couple of weeks ago. Welcome to Renegades Roundup, everybody. I'm Zach. The voice you just heard is Joe. And what an exciting thing to be able to say that our squad is playing for the inaugural XFL championship game. The Super Bowl of the XFL. We finally made it a whole freaking season, and our boys are going the distance. How cool is that? Battlehawks fans must be crying right now. Oh, they're pissed. <laughs> oh. Four, four and six, the, uh, Arlington going to the championship game. Now, to be fair, the trophy they're playing for not the greatest. You seen the trophy? Yeah, I did. It looks like one of those scalp things. The sca- you know, you put put on your scalp, massages your scalp. <laughs> well, they so that that's what they played for for the for the division championship. They've got like a like a gold X that's part of the uh, like league championship trophy because they're trying to really promote that intersection of opportunity and and whatever their slogan is. I really should memorize the slogan. I worked for the team this year, and I don't even know the slogan. But um, mm-hmm. the X doesn't stand for extreme anymore. It stands for intersection, whatever that means. But, yeah, man, they're they're playing in the Alamo Dome. And this is what I was talking about a week ago, two weeks ago, that I would have been okay with Arlington losing to Houston in Week 10. And I got a lot of flack for that. Uh, I, I got some some messages after that episode published not from a lot of people like one or two but i got some flack saying you're supposed to root for the team how are you not rooting for the team and i said i'm going to root for the team when it matters most and it mattered most when a spot in the championship game was on the line and i was spot on about how it's very very tough to beat a team three times in the same season and houston couldn't do it yeah i almost would want rather throw if you lose no if you if you lose yeah if you lose the first game against your rival or against the team you're gonna see you think you're gonna see in the playoffs i'd throw the second game too because you're gonna win the third it always happens cowboys giants uh forgot what year 2009 10 something like that i mean it's it, I don't know why it's like the r- rule of thirds, you know. You know, bad things come in threes or whatnot. For some reason, you just people can't beat a team three times in one year. I don't know what it is, but it worked for our favor, that's for sure. It worked out, and I am definitely not complaining. I'm I'm really excited to be looking at a team that I worked for 
that I have a lot of their merch now. I'm wearing their hat while I record this podcast. Like, it was pretty cool getting a true brand exclusive cap that's only sold at the stadium for the final week of the year. Like, it was super, super exclusive. I was able to sneak away to the gift shop during some downtime pregame and go purchase one. Um, so it, it was cool to do that. And it was also kind of cool to support Ben DiNucci because it's part of his brand. It's part of his clothing line that he helped uh, co-found. So not only um, did we get to support a small business, but the league got to support one of its own players, which was really cool. And it looks like DiNucci is getting some recognition. He's getting some opportunity. The NFL draft just passed. And they're trying to uh, fill out their rosters post-draft and get some undrafted free agents and players like that. Now, obviously, with the Renegades and the Defenders getting ready for the championship, those players are unavailable. But the other six teams from around the league have been getting a lot of NFL recognition. And there's a lot of players that are getting to go to, um, to different leagues' camps. They're getting those those spring invites, those camp invites. And that's really cool to see because this is supposed to be a league of opportunity. And a lot of these players that showed out in the XFL are getting those NFL opportunities. Yeah, there are actually quite a few names that have, have gotten invited to camps. Um, so uh, why, don't we go, why don't we go through it, huh? Yeah, we'll go through them real quick. I'm just going to read the names that the official XFL 2023 page on Twitter announced as of the time that we recorded. I'm sure more names will pop up by the time you all listen to this, but these are the ones that they have officially announced. Um, the first name that they listed off was Freedom Akin Molodun from the Battle Hawks now getting an opportunity to go to camp with the Dolphins. Kevin Atkins from the Battle Hawks been invited to another Hawks, uh, not the Seahawks, but the Falcons, the Bird of Prey. Luke Barco from the Brahmas has been invited to the Browns camp. CJ Brewer from the Roughnecks has been invited to Tampa's camp. Hakeem Butler from the Battle Hawks has been invited to the Steelers camp. Jack Cohn. The quarterback for the Brahmas has been invited to the camps of both the Seahawks and the New York Jets, which I don't know why the Jets are looking for a quarterback. They've already got too many <laughs> quarterbacks in that room. But that's another conversation if we were doing an NFL podcast. Uh, Lucas Dennis from the Battle Hawks has been invited to uh, Atlanta's camp. Ben DiNucci, I was talking about him a second ago. He's been invited to the Broncos camp. Uh, Austin Faulu from the Sea Dragons and O Lyman is getting to stay at home in Seattle. He's leaving the Arlington Hub, but he's getting to try out for the Seahawks. Uh, Charleston Rambo from the Guardians has been invited to the Eagles camp, and those are just uh, some of the names that I'm sure are going to get mentioned. I'm sure there's a lot of Renegades players and a lot of Defenders players that are going to get camp invites once the championship has concluded i'm sure yeah. luis perez and jordan tamu are going to get opportunities i feel fairly certain that players like davion smith will get an opportunity um i i think based on his uh performance in last week's game i could see javante payton getting a camp invite that dude went off in the houston game and really pushed us over the finish line to victory. It was awesome to see. Yeah, it was. And 
I didn't get to see a lot of the game, but from what I did see, it was, oh my god, that was a different uh, that was a different Renegades team out there, man. That was I can tell you that. that was the team that I thought they could always be, and and this is something that you and I have talked off and on for a month about is this a quarterback issue or is this a coaching slash play calling issue? Looking at the stats from this ball game, Arlington put up 419 total yards of offense on the 7-3 and Houston team on the road. I hate to admit it because I'm a big Sloter fan, but I think it has to be a quarterback issue. Luis Perez, if he had been on this team from the get-go instead of with the Vipers, this team would be 7-3 and right now. They'd be 8-2 and if Perez was able to practice the entire playbook and be with them from week one. I, I really, really think it has to do with quarterback play because he orchestrated the offense well against D.C. He kind of had a half-day kind of a rest opportunity in week 10, and then you come back again full throttle as it was in week 11. And, right. I mean, he just had them firing on all cylinders. It was a 23-8 to score at halftime. It's, it's just, it's crazy. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I was, like, I was keeping up on, like, updates on my phone, and I'm seeing, you know, touchdown, touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the offense. This is the offense we were looking for, you know? Yep. So, hope, man, I hope they come out next week. That's for sure. Well, I mean, that's the thing is I, I tweeted about this on on my Twitter page, like, right after the game ended and right after we found out who the opponent was. Um, we took D.C. to overtime at Audi Field. Audi was an incredibly tough place to play. St. Louis couldn't win there. Seattle tried twice and couldn't win there. Audi Field is a tough, tough place to play. And Arlington took D.C. blow for blow on the road. You put them in a neutral environment that's indoors, that does not have the Audi crowd, that does not have the lemons or the beer snake, I think this is a game that Arlington can win. I truly do. I think so, too. We, we saw it when they played them the first time around, taking them to overtime, and... Yeah, anything can happen. I, kind of a home field advantage too for the Renegades. You know, they're playing, they're playing San Antonio. That's not a bad drive from from Arlington. So, you got your, you know, kind of a home field advantage. Hope you think San Antonio fans would come out and cheer for the Renegades. I don't. I I really don't know. Like, I know from my perspective, San Antonio was always my number two team. I was like, if Arlington can't make it to the ship. I want to see San Antonio succeed. I can root for the Brahmas if they're going to be playing in their own home stadium for the championship. That's a cool story. I can get on board with that. So I I feel like there have to be some people there in that market that are just football fans that are hoping for a good game. And Mm -hmm. based on how Arlington played this past week, I, I think they could definitely be in for that. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit shorter. We're not doing cylinders again because all we're doing is doing kind of a deep dive looking at this South Division Championship game. We're not going to do a whole lot of previewing the championship because there's a bye week of sorts to get ready for the championship. So next week's episode is going to be strictly previewing DC. But suffice to say, I like our odds. 
and a lot of that a lot of that has to do with this road victory in Houston last week like you said this was a completely different club and it was fun to watch them succeed yeah exactly and Luis Perez finally looked like Luis Perez so I wonder if anything was done with coaching if anything was changed there or if maybe everyone finally clicked I don't know but whatever happened it needs to happen again next week he was a total of 19 for 27 for 289 yards. That's an average of 10.7 yards, almost 11 yards per completion. A long of 59, that was a perfect pass in stride to Peyton. I saw him uncork that, and I thought, oh, man, this is going to be an overthrow. Oh, man, this guy's going to be covered. Oh, man, this could be a pick. And then I see him catch it in stride and take it the final 15, 20 yards into the end zone. And I was like, oh, my God, we just scored a big touchdown pass. Probably one of the biggest passes we've had all season. And it came in the biggest game of the season. Perez to Peyton was probably one of my favorite combos. Peyton finished with five catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. He was targeted five times, he caught it five times, and two of those five catches ended up in the end zone. That is pretty damn impressive. Oh, 100% agree. And, you know, we had some problems in the past with receivers and catching, but they were catching everything like they're, they had sticky tack on their gloves or something. Vander Esch, five for 60. Peyton, like you said, went off absolutely off and interesting that Canelo only had two targets but he made most of it with the 18 yards on both of those catches and you know like I said everything was clicking and when everything's clicking we now see what this team can really be and it's not a four and six team yeah no and that's that's the really tough thing because I think we were good enough to beat DC and and we talked about that during our DC recap if Perez doesn't throw that pick six, then they're kicking the game leading field goal or they're extending their lead rather than trying to march down and tie the game up. So I really feel like this team was good enough to beat DC if Perez had been playing uh, in the game against San Antonio at home, we probably would have swept the Brahmas and we could have been six and four. We could have been seven and three. So uh, this is this is definitely a much improved team and their improvement is happening at the right time. But like you said, it's got to suck for Battlehawks fans that had to have that fifth tiebreaker rule be the deciding factor in whether they make it to the postseason or not. But I got to say, I think I am more intrigued by a Renegades and Defenders championship than I would be a Battlehawks Defenders championship. St. Louis didn't look good against D.C. either of their games, but Arlington looked good in their most recent game, and it happened not too long ago. So I I think this is the right call for the championship game, and it's based on how you're playing now, not how you've played all season. Since I called it back before the season started, yes, I think you're right. I think this is the best-case scenario for the championship game, and uh, hopefully the Renegades win, and I literally will have gotten everything right and somehow even going four and six uh it's man (laughs) 
oh, St. Louis fans, I, I, w- I would feel sorry for you, but I don't. But my squad is in the chip, so I don't, yeah. I don't feel that sorry. <laughs> Cole McDonald and Brandon Silvers went a combined 12 of 31 for 104 yards, no touchdown passes, and a pick. Max Borgie, seven carries for just 48 yards, only had one burst that was for 14. Cole McDonald had a longer run than Borgie did. McDonald ran for 19 yards. He had 47 total, but he had a 19-yard burst on a quarterback scramble. Your quarterback, your backup quarterback, doing better than your starting running back this renegades defense did something next level to contain houston's elite offense yeah so yeah that's what i thought there uh if if like like i've been saying you know houston Houston did have a pretty good offense. I mean, they were one of the top offenses in the league. And for the Renegades defense, which we knew they were good, we've known they're good this whole time. Even with the injuries to Josh Hawkins and Payne. Um, The fact that they were still able to step up. And did you say they only gave up three second-half points to Houston? Only three second-half points, only 11 total. Yeah, that's... Everything, man, everything's just clicking. It just just feels so good to say that because I've seen this team this whole year be like one step away, one step away, and it's all coming together. The defense had a total of 50 tackles. They had three sacks and three tackles for loss, but a combined 50 tackles for the defense. Devontae Bowsby had the interception. Payne accounted for one fifth of the team's total tackles the stats show they've got 50 total team tackles donald Payne alone had seven solo and three assists for 10 tackles to his credit the man is back and he looks like he is hungry for something and i'm hoping it's an xfl title ring it's an xfl championship that's what he wants that's what he wants He's he's playing for it. He's playing so incredibly well. Number 90, Bruce Hector. That's not a name that we've gotten to call very often this year. He was the second leading tackler. He had seven tackles, including four solos, and had a half sack. So he he came in, Hector did, and actually played a really solid game. Will Hill, Joe Powell, those are names that we've called a lot this season. They're also up there in the team leading for tackles. Um I'm just I'm so excited at this at this prospect. Rusolino went two for two on field goals. Marquette King had 148 uh, punt yards, but he only punted four times. You remember that one game earlier in the season where he punted like eight or nine times in a ball game, and I was sitting there going, I I love that he's kicking it that well. I hate that he's kicking it that often. Yeah. I am, but then again, I've seen some some of the field goal kickers in the XFL that you know. It's I'm glad we have Russellino. Let's put it that way. I'm glad we got Russellino, and and I'm glad that we can play the field position game with King when we need to. I just don't want to see him as often as we saw him previously. Fifty eight total plays for the Renegades offense. 
for 419 yards. Now, here's something that I was talking about last week. I think we had 10 more offensive plays than Houston, but we had almost 100 fewer yards. This time, the script was pretty much flipped. We had one fewer play, but we had 419 yards. Houston only put up 225 of offense. We had one less play, and we outgained them by 194 yards. Love it. I just because I'm still trying to figure out what happened the last seven, week. <laughs> seven yards per play while holding Houston to under four yards per play. Nineteen first game. downs. Thirteen first downs through the air. Like sixty-four percent conversion on third down. That's unreal. You're basically getting two out of every three third down attempts that you're making. We're finally getting it on third and short. We're finally capitalizing when we get across the 50. Like you said, we're just doing the things that we need to do, and we're doing it well, and we're doing it at the right time. It's all about peaking at the right time. No matter what sport you play, you want to be peaking, heading into the conference finals and then the championship. We outrushed them. Did you know we outrushed them? Say that again? (laughs) Our ground game, our offensive line, opened up enough holes for us to outrush the Roughnecks. That's incredible. Davion Smith had 94 yards, which is about what I was hoping he would have on the reg. You know, coming into the season, I was thinking, you know, I could see Smith, you know, picking up the slack where the passing game might be faltering and, and he's got... And, you know, 100 yards, I'm pretty sure I made that type of prediction earlier in the season. He's getting close to that. He's very, very close to averaging about 100 yards on the ground per game. Brian Harrion came in as a backup. Kelly Bryant was running the zone read and got a few yards. But the bulk of it was from Smith. He got 94 yards on the ground. There's five players that have rushing stats for Houston in the form of Borgie, McDonald, Aline, Cox, and then Silvers. Two of those are quarterbacks. Two of them are just Borgie's backups. But the five of them combine for 132 yards. So yeah, by five yards, it's still outrushing them, but by five yards... We outrushed somebody, which is just, it's so incredibly rare, it's blowing my mind a little bit. Hats off to the offensive line and the running backs. Good stuff. Is there anything else from this stats page that, like, really jumps off the page to you? I just, for me, it's it's the efficiency of Luis Perez. You can't ask for a much better performance than to have three touchdowns and no picks. Yeah. No, it's the the offense was efficient, the defense was stout. It was a pretty close to a perfect game by the Renegades. And that's just such a rare thing for us to say because we've had so many games where we talk about how we came close or how we came up short or how we didn't look great. It's really tough as a podcaster to talk about a team when six of your game recaps are about a loss. Like, I'm not going to lie, that's put a little bit of a toll on us. We're like Uh, do we really want to talk about this game? Uh, Do we really want to talk about this game? How do we find the bright spots in it? It's fun to be on the winning side of things and to get this excited about your team playing for a title. 
The XFL in 2001, I don't believe, had an actual championship game. It didn't last that long. The XFL in 2020 didn't make it through its first full season, didn't have you know, those playoff opportunities. And here, the hometown team not only makes it to the playoffs, but now makes it to the championship game. That's just it's such a fun thing to say. And it's it's so great for the city of Arlington. It's so great for Bob Stoops. It's it's great for us as podcasters. It's a fun time to be a renegade. Yes, it is, sir. And we will see what happens here in two weeks, two Saturdays from not this Saturday, but next Saturday. So here's the really sucky thing. Well, I won't call it sucky, but it's it's going to be frustrating for me personally. The game is being played on Saturday evening the 13th. I have mm-hmm. to work during the day for my 9 to 5 job. It's my one weekend out of the month that I'm supposed to work. And then I just found out that there's going to be a run through for the soccer club that I'm doing play-by-play for this summer. Their oh. their first game is on May the 19th. It's a Friday. And they want to do a run-through so that we can, you know, practice the teams coming out of the locker room and doing the Star-Spangled Banner and all that sort of thing, but also just do like a like a inter-squad scrimmage so that I have the opportunity to practice my play-by-play and the production side of things and get that up and running for next week. They want to do that on the 13th. Oh, no. And it's kind of important. I kind of have to be there. But my heart is going to be glued to ABC. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to DVR it. And I'm going to have to make sure that you don't send me any spoilers or something. Uh, I won't won't send any spoilers. It's going to be a long Saturday. But I swear I am going to watch the game in its entirety so that I can give a very thoughtful recap after the game. But we're going to have one more preview show next week to get you ready for the championship. And then we will have a championship slash season recap after that. So there's at least two more episodes of the roundup coming you guys' way. And uh, they're going to be fire, believe me, because we're going to be talking about a club that's playing for the championship. So whether I'm sitting in front of the TV watching it live or not, you can bet that we're going to give as much in-depth thoughts and analysis on this South Division champion team as we possibly can. Can you can you believe that? I, I still have a hard time saying that, that we are the South it's Division great. champions. It's great. It's good to hear. <laughs> are you going to buy a shirt? No. <laughs> what, what, what? Is the shirt $55? Like, I mean, what are we... <laughs> No, they're twenty five. Oh, reasonable price. Yeah. Wow. Maybe yeah. they learned something. Yeah, it's the it's the same one that they wore on the sidelines. So I'm. Yeah. No, it, it's a it's a decent shirt. I'd I'd rather get. A, I always get a champion shirt. I don't ever. I never get the. Because what if you lose the championship? Now you gotta stare at that shirt and go, "Dang, we were so close." No, I mean, I never get. So if we win it all, if we win it all, I'm probably getting two shirts. One, oh. one to hang and one to wear. Because I've I've got a rack of like when the Rangers won the West pennant when they were the AL champs back in 2010, 2011, that kind of thing. 
I have a small rack of championship type of shirts that I don't wear in public because I don't want to get them dirty. I don't want to have to put them through the wash, have them fade, yada, yada. So if we end up winning it all, I'm probably getting two shirts, one to put in the collection and then one that I can wear out in public because I am damn proud of this team. Me too, man. And man, I know I've been negative sometimes this season, but to be fair, it was warranted. Now everything's gravy, baby. The tickets for the championship game start at just $25 for anybody that's interested in making the trip down. Obviously, I've got tons of commitments that are going to keep me from being able to go. Joe is living in another state right now for work. He's not going to be able to go. But if you are able to go, please tag us on social media so that we can repost it. Um, Let us know what the environment was like. Hell, we may even try to invite you on and talk person to person about what it was like to be at the first XFL championship game. I know we've got some friends from the newsroom and the news hub and places like that that are going to be going and reporting on the game from the press box, so that's cool. Very jealous of them. But if you're going as a fan, if you're going as a spectator, be sure to tag us at renegades underscore pod on Twitter or uh, find us on our personal socials that we're going to get to in a minute here. And you know we'll try to reach out and see what we can arrange about talking the uh, championship environment and the atmosphere from a fan's perspective. I think that would be some really cool insight to provide on a show where the Renegades are playing in the championship game. Yeah. And so you said men- mentioning the social, you can tag me at Joe Scanlon TV and yeah, I'd love to see all your pictures. Yeah. I, I wish I'd be at the Alamo dome this weekend. But. Yeah. I, I, I honestly can't think of anywhere else that I would rather be, but uh, I also know that doing the soccer stuff is really good for the career. Doing the nine to five is really good for the paycheck. So I'm not playing hooky and I'm kind of broke anyways. So uh, just doesn't have it in the cards this time around. But if it comes back to the Alamo Dome, I'll probably make the trip. We, we talked about how there's rumors of it trying to make it, make it to St. Louis, but if it ends up going back to the Alamo Dome next year, hell, I may try to go next year. We'll see. Hey, that'd be dope, man. That'd be really dope. I love San Antonio. It's, it's like a second home to me, so to have that opportunity would definitely be fun. And this was a fun episode celebrating the South Division title. Like we said, it's a little bit shorter than usual, but we're going to have another episode next week we're not taking any bye weeks like the like the league is to get ready for the championship we're gonna talk about dc gonna talk about how they beat seattle and take a look at the stats from the game against them that we played during the regular season and do everything we can to make previews slash predictions for what is going to be essentially the super bowl of the xfl that's going to be a lot of fun so go hit us up on our socials. Uh, you can find me at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice. I'm doing some baseball playoffs this weekend, possibly doing them next weekend too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if I even make it to the run through for uh, for the Gaios next week, Joe, because if we're in the second round of the playoffs, I may be out at the baseball field and then shooting myself down to Mansfield as quick as I can. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but... Keep up with my antics over there and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from so that you have an alert for whenever the championship preview episode of Renegades Roundup goes live. It's going to be a fun one.
It'll be really fun. All right, man. Well, unless you got any final thoughts, I'm going to go ahead and bring it home. No, bring it on home, bud. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode, everybody. We'll see you all again in a week. But for Joe, I'm Zach, signing off for now and reminding you all, until next time, go out there and raise raise some some hell. hell.